0: So today, as I said, we're starting a five-week series on the Bless Rhythms. And you may be asking, so what are the Bless Rhythms? Um, The Bless Rhythms come out of something called Surge School. Surge School is a theological curriculum that churches across the valley uh, will take people through over the course of a year. We have a group of people going through Surge School right now. Um, And really, the the way to sort of think of of the Bless Rhythms is they're a form of what we might call spiritual disciplines, or maybe a better word is spiritual habits. Uh, those of you who are sort of in church circles, familiar with that language, spiritual discipline, spiritual habits, there are ways that encourage us to, to grow and mature spiritually. So often, when we think of these sort of spiritual habits that help you grow, help you grow and mature spiritually, you, the things you most immediately think of are, so i got to read my Bible regularly, I, I, I've got to pray, and, and that's very true. Like, that's, that's, like, that's like air... And, and, and water, right, for the, for the Christian life, right? They're like, they're, they're like the essential food for growing and maturing in your faith. Reading your Bible regularly, praying, uh, absolutely essential. That, that's, that literally is where everything starts. Um, but if you think about it, sort of reading your Bible regularly, praying, those are practices, habits that we tend to do more privately, that they'd be more inwardly focused. Now, they shouldn't be, and, and there's another sermon about how prayer and Bible reading should is also a communal practice, but... Generally speaking, it starts more individually, more privately. Uh, the blessed rhythms, uh, they're also spiritual habits that we find in the Bible that I think help us, or, orient us towards thinking not so much first inwardly, towards ourselves, but outwardly. That's why so the subtitle series is Blessed Rhythms, Missional Practices. It's a way of just saying these are habits that, that they grow us and mature us, but to practice them, you've got to do it in relation to other people. So to live them out... You can't just do this at home. They're, they're lived out in connection to other people. And so, in many ways, the ways that we grow mature spiritually, but in so doing, we do it in a ways that also grow other people spiritually, that also point other people in certain directions that are, that are good and right. So, uh, what are the Bless Rhythms? Um, bless Rhythms use the word Bless as an acronym. Uh, and so, the ones that we'll be looking at over this series are First B which is bless, Uh, that's the overall habit, you might say, we're we're thinking of for the entire series. L is for listen, E is for eat, there is a a theology for eating together that I look forward to talking about, uh, John will be talking about, I should say. S is for speak, and the last S is for Sabbath, the theology of purposeful rest. So this Sunday, of course, we'll be looking at that first one, uh, B, uh, the focus is on bless. So when we say bless, what does it mean to bless. What, what does that mean? And when I say bless, so the definition I'm going to give is this idea of, of bringing good upon someone or something. Uh, to say or do something good or favorable to someone or something. So we think about, think about it that way, So good happening, good being done, good being spoken to someone or something. Um, what happens when we think of that concept of blessed in that way like normal, we think of, of, of bless them experiencing blessing, as something special, something that sort of, sort of happens uh, for a period of time, a moment of time. Um, someone brings you Starbucks. Uh, you ace the test. You have a really good family vacation. So we sort of think, oh, that was blessed time, right? That, that was a good time. And so in thinking of it this way, in the way I think we normally tend to think of it, it's a way of them thinking of blessing as basically something special But it's not like a day-to-day thing. It's not like something that's happening all the time. It's sort of a special time, maybe a moment or a period of time that's sort of outside of the norm that's really good and that we enjoy, that we're thankful for, a good thing that was said or done to us that we experienced. That's why as we start this morning, uh, one of the things I think is interesting to point out in at least a Christian story of the world is that blessing was supposed to be the normal state of the world. This world, human beings, this idea of being blessed, having a blessed life. I think the Bible says to us that was to be the normal day to day of human existence of being blessed. Let's look at Genesis 1:28. So, first chapter of the Bible, God has just created the world, the first human beings, and here's what it says that he said to those first human beings. It says this, Genesis 1:28. God blessed them and God said to them, "Be fruitful and multiply." fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God blesses them. And then he blesses them by giving this mandate. And this mandate really is just go out into the world, take possession of it, enjoy it. (laughs) Live in it, enjoy it, be over it. Human beings were meant to live out of God's blessing, out of and from blessing. Blessing starts from God, God blesses, and then human life is blessed because God blesses it, Because God gives good towards us, we experience that good and live out of that good. And notice, God is not stingy with this blessing. He's not stingy in giving good towards us. The beginning posture of this world, the beginning orientation of God towards human beings and towards the world is blessing. It's not like God is saying, okay, here's what's good and nice and favorable, it's over here, and I'm, human beings, here's the world, live in it. I hope you find it one day. That's what happens. God, instead, is almost imagine like there's like a go-kart, and God puts human beings in it, and it says, I'm going to push you right there, right in the center of my blessing, right in the center of what is good and right and favorable. I'm going to get you there. I want you to be right in the center of my blessing. And that means, then, blessing was not meant to be this abnormal reality, this extra special thing that hopefully you can have at different moments in your life. The way God set up the world was for a blessing to be the norm. That normal life was experiencing and living in goodness and favor. That normal life, imagine this, normal life for humanity was to be that. Like every single day, people say and do good things to you. That every single day, you experience goodness and favor. That that was not abnormal, that was normal life. Human life lived before God from God. But now we have sort of the next part of the story, right? The Bible isn't just Genesis 1. We also then go on to Genesis 2 and then, of course, Genesis 3. And Genesis 3, the curse enters the world and it undoes the blessing. It undoes the blessing. Genesis 2, God basically, and just to God is basically saying, listen, listen to me, obey my word, follow after me and you'll be blessed. That's what God does, basically, if you read the story of Genesis 2, essentially. Listen to me, follow me, you will be blessed. But they didn't do that. Those first human beings, and ever since then, what did they do? They, they began to believe that maybe, just maybe, God was lying. That, that there could be a blessed life, but it can happen apart from what God has said. Apart from how God has led. And that's how blessing becomes undone. That's how blessing no longer becomes a sure thing. That's how, instead, more often, many people feel cursed rather than blessed. And notice, the way that happens, the way sort of this different reality happens in our world, um, where cursing becomes more a standard rather than the blessing of God, the way that happens, notice, it happens by them not trusting God. Whenever we don't trust God, whenever we stop listening to God, it happens by saying, I determine what's good. I understand what's good, what the good life is. And I'm determined to make that happen, because I'm determined to make it happen based on what I see, what I understand, my perception of things, my desire for things. That's what is going to be good. That's what blessing is, and I need to get it. I'm going to trust that I know how to get it. You know, I, I think... All kids go through this stage, tends to start in their toddler years, continues on to their um, kindergarten years, some, some may longer than that, <laughs> um, but it's a stage where um, the kid is sort of determined to do things on their own um, and doesn't want you to help them with it, and the way they show that they didn't want you to help, with them, help you with that is for them to shove your hand out of the way, like really hard, <laughs> right? So... Um, If you're a parent or you're an aunt, your uncle who's been around kids, you maybe babysit, you're a teacher. In any particular way you might have been around kids, you'll have experienced this. Uh, Maybe you're helping the kid put some some clothes on and they shove your hand away as they're trying to put pants as a shirt, right? Uh, Maybe they're trying to paint and you're making sure they don't spill the paint and so you begin to help them and they shove your hand away. Of course, they spill the paint everywhere. (laughs) They, uh, you're trying to make sure a safe uh, seatbelt is put on right. Uh, you're helping them down the stairs, and you reach out, and they literally shove your hand away. And, and that image is, is one I have in mind when I think about how we tend to approach God. The God extends his hand out towards us, and yes, that's a hand of, of I mean, imagine, like, I think it's hard to sort of, ma- we, we don't remember, you probably don't remember what it was like to be two or three, but here's this big, strong hand moving towards you, right? And you have to determine, do I trust it or not? You have to submit yourself to it. Like, you're not stronger than your parents when you're two or three. So God is way stronger, way larger than us. He extends his hand towards us. And we have a question to ask. Do we trust where God is leading us, where God wants to guide us? That is going to be good ultimately for us. The problem is we don't. We push away God. But here's the problem. To push away God is to push away other things too. It's to push away the blessing of God, isn't it? Here's what the Bible says, that all good and favorable things come from God. James 1:17. every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. What is good and right and perfect comes from God, and so to shove away God from your life is to shove that away also. But we don't see it, right, because our perception is, well, this is what's good. And it's very easy, it's very instinctual to trust what we see in front of us, what we feel within us. Sort of describe it another way, another illustration. Um, Imagine there is a bottle of dirty water, and you've got a a group of people who are fighting over that water because they're super thirsty. And yeah, this is dirty water, but this is the only thing available. (laughs) And so they're fighting over it because it's limited. So only a few people are going to be able to have this, and so only a few people are going to have whatever good they can get from this water. And so they're fighting over this to get as much of it as they can. Now, meanwhile. At the door is someone knocking, and that person at that door knocking has five, 10-gallon jugs of clean, refreshing, filtered water, He's knocking at the door to come in and bring those five gallons, those 10, five-gallon jugs of water into into the home. But no one will open the door. No one will open the door because they think, well, it's someone else who's going to come in and fight over this bottle of water that we have. They don't trust who's at that door. They don't know. That person's saying, look, I, I've got something for you. They're like, no, it's gonna be another person, yet another person to fight against. Another person who's gonna come and restrict, would I know what's good? Would what I know what's best for me? So I need to keep them away. I don't trust them. They're gonna get in my way. And my question is, so do you maybe treat God like this? And just another way of thinking about this issue. You push God away, you keep God away because you don't trust what he's going to do because you think what he's going to do is impose on your life, restrict your life so that it's not blessed in the way that you think it needs to be blessed. It's not good in the way you determine it's going to be good. So you keep God, and specifically I'm talking about the God of the Bible, you keep him outside. You keep him outside so you can hold on to the life that's in front of you, a life that if you could just see it is actually a bottle of dirty water. And outside is a God ready to give gallons and gallons of fresh living water into your life. We should be blessed, but we aren't. And the reason we aren't is because, fundamental, we don't trust God. We don't trust the path that God wants to give us. We trust the path that keeps us in the curse rather than brings us into the blessing of God. Fortunately, there's more to our story. (laughs) And you know the more of the story is that God, He sees how we are, we sees our instincts, and rather than saying, "I'm done with you all," God instead says, "I'm going to fix things." God begins to carry a plan, carry out a plan to undo the curse, the curse of which is our sin, us rejecting God, not believing God, determining that we need to trust ourselves. God just says, "I'm going to figure out a way to undo the curse of sin and bring blessing back into the world. And it begins through people. It starts with a man named Abraham, and Abraham becomes the first part in a multi-part, multi-century plan to bring blessing back into the world. This is Genesis two, Genesis 12, verse 2, 2 and 3, and here's what God says to Abraham. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And in you, this is picking up in verse 3. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Blessing can come back into the world. And the blessing happens by God establishing a relationship with Abraham. And it continues then with the literal descendants of Abraham. But it continues on even more through what we might call the spiritual descendants of Abraham. Who are the spiritual descendants of Abraham? All those people who, like Abraham, all those years back when, say, we're going to trust God. We're going to believe in God. We're going to follow God. This means anyone, anyone has a relationship of just basic trust, trust in God, faith in God, becomes a means by which God brings goodness into their life, and then by bringing goodness into the lives, first Abraham, and then all the descendants, and all of us who are descendants of Abraham, spiritually speaking, he brings goodness into our lives so that then goodness can spread out throughout the world. Blessing. Blessing happens. Blessing happens because God establishes his relationship, and through that relationship, he blesses his people in order that it might spread blessing. Goodness and favor goes all over. But here's the thing. How does that happen? How, what makes us finally listen? What makes us finally believe and pay attention and open the door and believe in God and trust God and keep believing and trusting God? Well, what happens is Jesus. Jesus is the linchpin to all this. God sends Jesus so that we are finally willing to open the door. To trust and believe in God. Because God shows us in Jesus that he comes not to curse us, not to, to, to destroy us, but to save us. To save us and in saving us, he brings goodness. He brings blessing. He blesses us by saving us and that opens the door to everything else. Here's what it says, Ephesians 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what has he done? Who's blessed us In Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. You want to know what God is about? Learn about Jesus. Learn about Jesus. Look to Jesus. That is what God is about. God sends Jesus so that we can see right in front of us, here's what I'm about. And what he's about is it challenges us, there's no doubt. (laughs) There's a commitment there. It it does change us, right? God's never lied about that. He's not saying, I'm going to let you stay the same. It changes us, but it changes us in a way that brings blessing. The blessing we can't find on our own, the blessing we will never find on our own. Blessing far more than we can imagine or think, but a blessing that we are meant for. And it happens through us seeing God in Jesus and believing in God in Jesus turning away, stopping, pushing him away, and finally opening the door and letting him come in. And it doesn't stop there. God blesses us in Jesus, saves us out of our sin, draws us into relationship with himself so that we now being made a new people, like refashioned, recreated, so that we might then be a blessing to others. All the spiritual blessings that God gives us in Christ are meant to be lived in within us and then lived out from us. This is what it says in the next chapter, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. God blessed you, called you to himself in Jesus, chose you for himself. Yes, you. Saw you and said, I want you. And sent Jesus to you, brought you to himself, made you a new person so that It says that you can bring good works. Good works, blessing. So you can do blessing in this world so that you can be a blessing. Blessed by God in Jesus in order to be a blessing. That's the Christian life. Blessed by God in Jesus, saved by him in order that you might continue to then extend that blessing all over. Because the blessing comes from us Comes from God in Jesus. Because of that, this is what makes blessing all it should be. All it has to be. When blessing is tied to God and we find God in Christ, it means then we are able to bless the world. We're able to bless the world in what ways? When we speak what's true. Especially when there's false things happening around us, we speak what's true. It's when we stand up and advocate for justice in places no one else wants to. It's when we are compassionate and generous It's when we show grace. It's when we love our neighbor. In all these ways, God has blessed us so that we can bless in those ways, and to do it as broadly as possible, to do it everywhere, to do it even in unexpected ways, to do it even in the spaces and towards the people that we don't like. I mean, here's one of the things. One of the things in preparing for this sermon, I just literally, I just did a word search. I looked up every instance of blessing in the Bible like hundreds of them, right? One of the things I noticed is interesting, certain patterns that you find in the Bible. And I, this one made me uncomfortable. I'm going to be straight. I didn't realize how often blessing sort of this idea that we are, able, we are called to bless others, how often in the Bible it's oriented towards what the Bible calls the enemy, the person who's against us, the person we don't like, the person who's opposed to us. Like this is uncomfortable. So you want to close your eyes right now, maybe you want to. But I'm going to read it so you're still going to hear it. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 it says, but I say to you, who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Romans 12:14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. 1 Corinthians 4:12, and we labor working with our own hands when we when reviled we bless, when persecuted we endure, First Peter 3, 9, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. That's why I said blessing, in the way that we're talking about it, is tied to God. When we think of blessing apart from God, we will approach this idea selfishly. We will think of it more selfishly. If I just want to say, hey, you're blessed to be a blessing, you might think, yeah, I'm blessed to experience this good, and I'm going to spread this good out to, the, to me and mine, right? To the people I like, the people I know, to people that's part of the same political tribe as me, or the same ethnic tribe as me, same social tribe as me, whatever it might be. And, and I want to say that is the dirty water bottle version of blessing. To think a blessed America is when me and mine get what we want. That's what we're fighting for. Blessed America happens when get what I determine is right and good. And often, it's apart from God. It is apart from God. Here's what a blessed America is. Here's how I get it. Here's how those I'm connected to get it. What God does through Jesus is show something very different, doesn't he? God blesses, and he blesses unconditionally. And you're the perfect example of that. You're the perfect example of that. The fact that you and I know God shows that God brings blessing In that first blessing, the biggest blessing, the good of salvation, God brought it into your life, not based on anything you've done or anything you've said. In fact, God did it in spite of what you've said and in spite of what you've done. Think about this. The most anti-God possible, the person who's most opposed to God and the things of God, God still, God still sees them and chooses them. The story of Paul is a story story of someone who was killing Christians, dragging men and women to jail, throwing them to places where they would die horribly, and God still chose them. God still brought the blessing of salvation to them and changed Paul forever. And God has been doing that over and over again. If you're here and you've listened to the voice of God in Christ, he's done it in your life. He blessed you unconditionally. He blessed you even when you were enemy. And and my question is, do you know this and do you feel this? I use those words very deliberately. It's not enough to just know this. You've got to feel this. You've got to feel what it is that God saw you in every nook and cranny of your life and still brought goodness into your life. He still saved you and continues to bring saving goodness to continue to bring his love and grace and truth. And even when at times you're like, I don't trust this. This is uncomfortable. This, 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 this To get to where you're leading to me is going to hurt. And God still pursues you and sticks with you. It's all an example of what kind of God we have. A God who blesses and blesses richly and generously all over the place. Even when we're trying to fight him off. Do you feel this? Do you know this? Do you feel this? Because the more we know this... And the more we feel this, the more we, we are, we're just overwhelmed, sometimes to tears, that God would bless us this way. The more that happens, that's what will help us live out blessing the way God calls us to. That's what helps us live out blessing outwardly rather than inwardly. That's what helps us to be what God calls us to be, to be the blessing of God unconditionally to all people, even the unexpected people, even the overlooked people, even the people who are opposed to us. The people who don't like you, the people who make you uncomfortable, even the enemy. And the thing is, think about what God does when we think that way, when we live that way. Think about how countercultural that is. To be, bring good and favor indiscriminately. To bring goodness and favor and to bring this type of goodness and favor, not just like, well, I'll, I'll throw you a dollar here. <laughs> But to do more than that, to bring the truth and the goodness and the righteousness and the justice and the grace and the love of God to all the people we're connected to. It's countercultural, and that's what makes it special. Because the goal here, the goal here, God blesses us so that we might be a blessing so that, you understand, God's ultimate goal is to fix it so that it goes back to the way it was supposed to be, but even better. To fix it so that blessing is, again, the norm. That's day to day. That God is using us to be part of a plan whereby, like it says at the end of Psalm 23, what does it say at the end of Psalm 23? Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's not just like a bedtime story for God, that is a promise. God is saying, That is what I am bringing about through my people goodness and mercy following us all the days of our life, His people drawn from all over the world, all over history, knowing God, believing God in Jesus, and dwelling with him in his blessing forever. It's special, and it's also then empowering, if you think about it, because it means you're uniquely able to bring blessing. You're uniquely able to bring heavenly good into people's lives. There are people right now in your life who the main chance they will get to experience the unique blessing of God is you. It's you. you. People who don't know what it is for someone to be extremely gracious and compassionate to them until you do it. People who need you to see them and stand up for them and speak up for them. People who need you to notice them and care about them in specific and particular ways. I mean, how might we, Roosevelt, as a church, how might we live out the ways in which God, because God has blessed us, we live out then what it is to bless others around us. Because, I mean, there's no other building at this corner of Phoenix. <laughs> it's us. There's no other people gathered but us at this particular part of Phoenix. What does it look like for us to say we are blessed to be a blessing in a Roosevelt Row in downtown Phoenix? What does it mean then for us? Because obviously we're gathered here regularly. And we care about this part of Phoenix. But you guys are also connected to other parts of the valley. And there's people you're connected to uniquely. I'm not connected to them. You're connected to them. What might it look like to realize the unique ways in which you are connected to those people in those people's lives in a way that brings the unique blessing of God to them? that you've been blessed in God in Jesus, if you believed in Jesus, so that yes, you are saved in Him, so that you bring saving blessing to others. You bring kingdom blessing to others. Now I've been talking more generally, but we want to encourage us as a church, really throughout this series, this is one of the more practical series we want to engage in. So one of the things we're going to do is sort of try to give you specific prompts towards that end. Um, maybe you noticed as you walked in those two boards in the, the back of the sanctuary. They're back in the back corner. And on the boards is a bunch of different cards on them. And what you'll find on those cards is specific ideas, specific ways to bless, <laughs> ways to just prompt you to think, how might I be a blessing to those around me? So some of the things you'll see on the board is, Maybe it's helping someone read or do something hard at school. Maybe it's baking cookies for a neighbor. It could be offering free babysitting to someone who really needs it. I'll pass my number on after church. (laughs) Uh, Writing an encouraging note to someone else. Um, Sitting next to someone who normally sits all by themselves and you sit next to them. So what I wanna ask you to do is after the service, uh, meet with people, greet with people, but maybe you can take time to stop by that board Take one, but also, um, if you have a chance, write one down and to hang up for others to to take throughout the week and and even going into next Sunday. Uh, And can I say this? If you take it, we're here before God. I want you to see it as a promise before God that you'll do it. Don't take it and not do it. Let's take it and see that as a promise to God. I take it in order to do it. I see it as a way to do what God calls me to do. And Roosevelt, let's play big prayers over this, right? Let's, play, let's pray big prayers that God um, would, would use, if even just a few of us, but maybe even more than a few, <laughs> begin to say, I'm blessed in order to be a blessing, how God might use this in the lives of those we're connected to. How God might use this to help them be connected to Him in Jesus, to help them see a vision of what blessing really is, so that they are blessed and that the blessing continues. We are blessed by God in Jesus in order to be a blessing. Let's pray that God would richly expand his goodness and favor in this world as more and more of his people, not just at Roosevelt, but every church and every community where people have found God in Christ, begin to realize the calling they've been giving and live it out in the lives of those they're connected to. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I thank you for this time. Um, I thank you for, uh, Lord, just what it says here. Um, Lord, uh, I pray for those who need to hear what it says, that you have come and knocked at the door, and it's Jesus knocking, and he wants to bring living water. And yes, um, you've been very clear, it will change us. We can't stay the same. But Lord, what you're bringing is living water. We need to stop fighting over what we think is good, but is, is flawed. It's actually cursed. Instead, listen to you and submit to you and let you in. And Lord God, so I pray those people would hear your call to them in Jesus and believe and follow you by believing in Jesus and, and, and experiencing. And I pray, Lord, then as, the, as we hear that call, we would feel the full nature of your blessing in our life. All that that means and all that it empowers us to do. What that allows us to do in this world. And may it, Lord, then, Lord, um, be like this sort of tidal wave of blessing <laughs> that pours out from this community, Lord, over the course of this week and then over the course of the next few months and even beyond. As we begin to orient ourselves differently, to think less, how do I sort of protect what I've got? But instead, how do I give away what I've been given? I've been given the blessing of God in Christ. How can I be Jesus to the people around me and bless them? And the things that I say and the things I do. Lord, um, thank you for this vision. And we thank you for this mission. And even so, Lord, we recognize where we're just part of a bigger plan. Ultimately, Lord, we wait the day when you finally bring it all to fruition. The day, Lord, when goodness and mercy is normal. <laughs> Lord, when we dwell together with you, with one another, and with you, and that dwelling is good, it's favorable. It's beautiful. Um, Lord, may we experience more and more of it today, even as we await the day when it comes even more. We thank you we love you. and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.